Hey, before we start the show today, I've got a confession to make. I was on the audio board during the recording of this session, and I screwed up. And so what you're going to hear today is Brian and I going through what we consider to be a pretty good podcast from a content standpoint. But the sound quality is not as good as usual, and it's my fault. And so we were both going to get on and say this, but Brian said, no, 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 you did it, man. You got to fess up and take responsibility. So that's what I'm doing. So in today's episode, you'll find that it's a little bit peaky, a little bit fuzzy at times. But if you can listen through that, I think there's some really good content here. Good luck. And I promise I'll never make this mistake again. Welcome to the Advanced Selling Podcast, the longest running sales training podcast created exclusively for sales professionals to help you create your own sales success. My name is Brian Neal. I'm Bill Kasky. This is the Bikram version. You know what Bikram is? Bikram yoga? Yeah, uh, I don't know what it is. I've heard of it. Yeah, they do Bikram yoga in a room that's 105 oh, degrees yeah. or yeah. something like that. It so is. It's a little hot little studio here, but it's cold outside, warm in here. We'll take it, won't we? Uh, hey, if you haven't done so already... Go buy uh, our audio program, All In. Just go buy it. Trust me, it's the best thing you'll ever buy for your sales uh, success. It's a wonderful thing. Go to uh, advancedsellingpodcast.com. Go to the product section. You can find All In right there. Mm-hmm. Now, we record early, and then our episodes are released a few weeks later, right? That's correct. <laughs> that is correct, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we had a passing a passing of a famous musician oh, yeah. this week, didn't we? Yeah. Right? Glenn okay. Fry. Glenn the Fry, Eagles yeah. passed away. And uh, I don't think I, – I mean, I, I'm a big Eagles fan. I love the Eagles. Um, it's amazing to me, though, how big the Eagles were, oh, how gosh, influential. Yeah. And if you listen to the members of the Eagles who were left remaining, they will tell you that Glenn Fry started it. Yeah. He really started it yeah. all on his own, and yeah, he was ill. And it's just – it's one of those things that if you're a music buff, you just – it just brings you to this um, point where you know this is going to start happening. Yeah, and we right. only have so much time with these brilliant songwriters and singers and that sort of thing. Even though well, the music David, lives on. David Bowie. David Bowie passed. Was another one. Big, yeah, jeez, yeah. oh, Pete. So it's been one of those uh, times. And for Bill and, and myself, uh, being big music buffs that we are, uh, th- those things come hard as well. The good thing about it, though, there's always good in, in the bad, isn't there? Is that um, all of a sudden these things get sort of uh, resurrected. Yeah. The music gets yeah. resurrected. Um, I'm a big fan of people covering tunes. I saw that Bruce Springsteen saying, take it easy acoustic guitar take it easy in one of his concerts the other day oh saw really? a video of that on youtube Ooh, just fantastic just bruce yeah an acoustic guitar in honor of huh. glenn fry singing take it easy find that on youtube it's a great great thing so maybe uh, if you've uh, not done so you can go to the linkedin group and post your favorite eagles song yeah. or eagles experience or david bowie song or david bowie experience i think that would be kind of fun well you know we had a, a passing of a friend of ours too uh, terry sarbanoff who used to work with us and he was a huge eagles fan he, and he passed about two days after glenn fry did and uh, i was at the funeral uh, this morning, and they had all Eagles oh, playing. Did they really? It was, it was they had it loud, oh, just the great. way he would have wanted that's great. it. Witchy woman, peaceful, easy feel. He just had all the great songs. And, and he was a huge Eagles fan. He was a huge Eagles that. fan. That's yeah. good. Good people. Yeah. So, um, well, Brian, I know you. Uh, you took a little spill the other day. I did on the hoverboard. And I did. I remember hearing about that. And I was I was kind of laughing at you. I was out loud, but oh, you should have been. Everyone, anyone should would have laughed at me if you would have seen it and or been there. I went home that that night and I told Jane. I said, "Oh, you got to listen to this story." (laughs) Well, it snowed here last night. It did. We had a couple of inches of snow, and what I had forgotten was that there was a little covering of ice underneath the snow. Ah. So this morning I went out and uh, and did the whole uh, what's it called the. uh, snowblower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was almost done. I was literally one swath from being yeah. done. 
And somehow I, I, I fell. I started to slip. And, you know, when you start to fall, it's not the fall that's the problem. Yeah. It's the act it's of falling that's all around it. Yes. And, and there could be nobody in the neighborhood even watching. But when your arms start to flail, it's like an alarm goes off and people start to look oh, out their window. Me. And it took it probably didn't take more than a few seconds for me to go down. But And then at the, at the time you're going down, you're thinking, catch myself. And then at the very last minute, no. you're like, no, don't, don't do get that. your wrist in No, there. that's bad. So, so I had and, and I will say, uh, and this is all because of someone who has fallen as a grown man, um, Bill is 6'4", 6'5", 6'5", and they're just as something <laughs> funnier <laughs> about someone who's tall falling. So 6'5", falling is, is just funnier than 4'8", totally falling. Agree. It just is, totally right? Agree. You have bigger wingspan, more yep. legs roll more around. Legs flan- exactly. And you don't get up, you don't bounce up easily <laughs> either. Exactly. It's kind of one of those things you got to crawl around your stomach. Yeah. The 4'8", kind of like, it's like a weeble, like they just kind of tap down in their back <laughs> up. Right. Yeah, when you're 6'5", there, there's like a, there's a, there's a whole there's process more collapsing. Up, yeah, it's it? more collapsing. So. You're like putting everything back together. That's fantastic. Good stuff. Yeah, so hopefully uh, neither one of us are injured. No. Hey, if you're trying to get in shape, then you need to learn new workouts from Men's Health or Men's Fitness. If you want to change your wardrobe, get styling tips from GQ and Esquire, or maybe you want to be the next Bill Cat. Bill Gates. <laughs> Download Forbes or Fortune and stay in the know. Or many of our podcast listeners want to make 2016 the year of personal growth. Get a copy of Entrepreneur. Here's the deal. Texture is the solution. It offers unlimited access to all of your favorite magazines for less than the price of three magazines at the grocery store. You can browse hundreds of magazines, cherry pick the articles. That's the key thing. Cherry pick the articles that interest you most. The Texture editorial team recommends stories for me daily, plus their curated collections let me dive deeper into topics that really interest me. You can sign up for Texture right now. Mere seconds, gain insider access. I love that. Insider access to the very best reads plus exclusive content. The best part, Texture is offering our listeners a free trial right now. When you go to texture.com slash selling, think about that. You'll gain unrestricted access to the world's best magazines from back issues to the one on the newsstands today. Take advantage of this offer right now and take on your personal growth resolution with some serious magazine know-how. Try Texture for free right now when you go to texture.com forward slash selling. And there was some, they have a list of magazines here. I'm not going to read yes. them all, but you have taken the liberty, I noticed, I to circle some that I might like. Yes, Texture's fantastic. And I thought, you know, I saw the big yeah. list. I said, Bill, maybe you'll like these. And I circled some of those, didn't I? Which well, did you, I circle? You started them? off uh, pretty pretty practical. Entrepreneur, <laughs> yeah. ESPN, ESPN Magazine, Fitness. I love Men's Health, Men's Fitness. Then you went to Maxim. <laughs> I circled that got for to me. Maxim pretty quickly. <laughs> Maxim is right on the edge of legal, isn't it? I mean, it's really good <laughs> it's magazine. Close. And then you have Rolling Stone, Sports Illustrated. But then you have one here that you have highlighted and, <laughs> I do. and, and uh, bolded. Yes. Motorcyclist. Yes, because you are, right? Now, does Motorcyclist Magazine, do they teach you how not to fall <laughs> off your motorcycle and get pinned up against hey, the garage door? There are two types of motorcyclists, aren't there? Those that have <laughs> crashed and those, those that will crash, yeah, right? Yeah. You either lost or you haven't, so. I still I have like it, that. My, I, Motorcyclist Magazine. I still like my motorcycle, but I, I, I ride it less and less each year. Yes. Fewer and fewer times. You're getting out of that stage of life. You got in that <laughs> fixed, middle age stage. Yeah, I've got fixed. You're that's good. True. Yeah, 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 that's true. Okay, this is a uh, mailbag Monday Thursday, isn't it? Mailbag Monday yeah. Thursday. Kind of like sometimes they'll have like a Sunday night football Thursday night edition. We decided that we're going to have a mailbag Monday Thursday edition. Mm-hmm. So don't be confused. We didn't release on the wrong day. We're doing this intentionally, uh, just as a little special gift, aren't we? So. So this is uh, from Frank Decker, who's been a friend of the podcast for a yeah. long time. Actually, we've had several people who have asked us about this topic 
And, and uh, can, I, can I mention too, oh, sure, Frank yeah. uh, is one of, uh, well, I've been to England a few oh, times yeah. and met our podcast listening group. And Frank is a hundred uh, percent uh, of the time visitor. He always comes by, always has a beer with us. Great gentleman, great fella, great listener. And I uh, really enjoy spending British? time with him. Uh, he is. It's okay. Yes. Okay. So Frank and some other people had this topic that we thought was good. And that is, what is your sales advice for non-sales people? Yeah. Maybe technical people, if you're managing a team or if you are one. And we started talking about this topic, and I think it's a good one. We've each got four or five points here that we want to share with you. But I was thinking about this as we were going through it. And, uh, you know, Daniel Pink wrote the book. What was the name of his book? To Sell as Human. To Sell as Human. And he talks about that, that everybody's in sales. No matter what you do, if you're pitching an idea internally, if you're trying to get a job, if you're trying to get customers, you are in sales. But while I agree with that, I also think we are all deep down non-salespeople. Mm. And what uh, I mean by that is, you know, there are there is such a thing we hear a lot, well, he's a born salesperson, she's a born saleswoman. Yep. And I don't know if that's the truth. I think sometimes we are born to be social. And usually when someone's describing a born salesperson, they're describing someone who has a yeah. lot of social tendencies, not yep. socially awkward, socially at ease. <laughs> but I don't know that uh, any of us were really brought up and, and trained to be in sales because it, there is so much rejection. There's so much potential yeah. for uh, bad well-being. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. But so we, we're going to take a look at this through the eyes that even if you're in sales and been in sales all your life, I still bet there's a part of you that feels uncomfortable with certain things. Yes, I would agree totally. Uh, when we when we interviewed Grant Cardone, he talked about this. He talked about early on in his sales career, he hated, hated sales. It, yeah. Hated it. Very uncomfortable. Didn't like it. Hated it. He then said, I hated it until I got good until at I it. Until I got good at it. And even still... There's a, there's a theory, a, a leadership theory called the imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. It's really popular right now. If you go to Harvard Business Review magazine or Harvard, Harvard Business Review blog or just Google imposter syndrome uh, developed by a couple of psychologists um, 20, 30 years ago, real buzzy. And that's, it's basically that in, no matter what we do, there's a part of us that doesn't believe we belong mm-hmm. there, right? Mm-hmm. So we do this podcast. We get uh, hundreds of thousands of people across the world everywhere listening to our advice, telling us we're great. There's part of us that, like, we're just, you know, just a couple of dudes with microphones yeah. in Indianapolis, Indiana. Yet we're we're bigger than that. It's more than that. So there's a little twinge of that. Part I of that's agree. healthy. So there's no doubt. I know for me, I never ever thought I would be a salesperson, let alone uh, and, a, let alone training a coach, others. And a trainer, <laughs> yeah. and still selling to my own deals. So uh, and there's no doubt that there's an imposter part of that. That's yeah. like, man, do I, who am I? Do I really know what's going on? So so for those of you who are in sales or not in sales, yeah. I really do believe this episode uh, will Should hold some great. value to you. Would yeah. agree. So. You want to kick it off? You want me to? Uh, why don't? Well, you go ahead. Okay. Here's the first thing I wrote down: is we have to um, uh, be very self-aware and get out of our own mind the mental position of the judgment around what it means to be a salesperson. A lot of people refuse to admit or say or embrace the fact that they're a salesperson because they have their own judgment about yeah. it, and that judgment I mean to be negative. So they think things like salespeople are pushy and annoying, or they'll think nobody likes salespeople, or salespeople are greedy, or whatever. Um, It doesn't matter what. You've got to examine that in your own psyche and say, I've got to release these judgments I have about what I define to be a sales professional and what others define to be a sales professional, what comes along with that. Mm -hmm. Like that's because no one wants to be something that they don't like. Where it all starts. Right? Completely. And so aside from even the other things we talk about on the thinking side, that to me is the first is the role and what comes along with that. And you've got to get out of the way to say, um, 
They're not bad human beings. They're not pushy. They're not greedy. And you're not greedy and you're not pushy and whatever comes mm-hmm. along with that. So, And don't you think that the, the reason there's that perception is because we've been trained, we've been mistrained. Yeah. For to, sure. To do that. And yes. that's been sort of the perception of sales. Well, you know, if you're going to succeed in sales, you got to really be pushy. Yep. you got to be aggressive. And that's wrong. It's yes. just wrong. That's right. So I had uh, my first one was exactly that. It's reframe the role. Yes. And, oh, and good. get very specific. And I, I think the best, and we've talked about this on the show, the best way to reframe it for the non-salesperson or anybody is you are there to find and solve problems. Mm-hmm. You're there to find and solve problems. And... Uh, we're, we're going to have a guest on here uh, soon by the name of Rabbi Daniel Lappin, yep. who wrote a book called Thou Shalt Prosper. And in the book, we'll talk more about it, but I love his description of why, and he talks about the Jewish faith yes. and why the Jewish faith are so successful, at least that's a perception. He says, in our faith, we believe that if you make a lot of money, it means you've helped a lot of people. Oh, that's great. And he says, we don't get hung up on money because we feel like there's a direct congruence and alignment between who we help and what we earn. Yes. Interesting. And I think that's the reframing is if you're, if you're helping people find and solve problems, you get out of that role of pushy. It's got nothing to do with that. No, That's a tactical thing. For and sure. We're going to teach you how not to do yeah, that, too. That's not, that's not even accurate. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, the second one. We talk about this a lot. And this, this really, really, of all the... Um, philosophical elements that Bill and I talk about on this show. This, to me, is the one that cleans up the non-sales professionals' issues uh, straight away. And that is getting uh, really clean intent. And what happens too often is uh, even non-sales sales people, so people that might be technically slanted, their intent sometimes is skewed a different way and still not clean. And that is they skew to, I want to be right. Yeah. Right? I want to prove how smart I am and prove that I'm capable of fixing this problem. And so I've got a technical person on my team. Maybe I'm in an IT scenario and I bring my client-facing subject matter expert. And that person's intent is to show everyone how smart they are, how much they know. They think that validates their role. And so if I'm coaching the non-salesperson on the team, in Frank Decker's case, that's what I'm saying. They've got to get out of that. That can't be part of it. It's got to be all about helping what you said, helping understand what the customer's issue, problem is, aspiration, helping them get that. That's it. Yeah, that's good. You just said something there that um, the intent of needing to be right, what's the saying? Uh, I'd rather be right than rich. I'd rather be right than rich. And sometimes that applies to the technician. Yes. And and also this whole idea of jargon, yes. technicians, and this is not for general salespeople, it's more for tech, technical salespeople, is you can get lost in the jargon. If you're not lost in it, your customer might be. Yes. So you got to kind of have that radar on. Yeah. If, am I going too deep? If he starts looking at his watch or falling asleep, you're going too deep. Yeah. And salespeople do that too. So I talked about non-traditional. True. Salespeople do the same thing, don't they? They spread this jargon around and all this corporate speak babble stuff, thinking that it validates how smart they are. Yeah. And I think it gets in the way. So you got to get all that stuff out, and that starts from inside of you. Your intent's got to be to just be there to be helpful. Here's a, a note to managers or leaders who oversee non, uh, non-salespeople, and that is train encounters, oh. meaning you have to train the encounters. So train your people on the encounters they will face. Hmm. So, for example, technician gets an encounter where the customer says, you know what, I like what you're doing here, but we don't need that. Yeah. Well, that's resistance. That's, re- that's rejection or resistance or objection. You have, to, you have to train your people how exactly to deal with that. 
And, and exactly meaning what are the words that you're going to use? So you're going to say something, you're going to train your people to say, look, I appreciate where you're coming from on that. Yep. Um, it could be that I've not done a very good job of explaining that. Uh, is it okay if I take another stab at it? However you teach them, but the encounters are so important because that's so all technical people get involved with is the, in the sales is encounters. And so rather than teaching your technical people this long, drawn-out sales process, just teach them how to handle the key 10, 15, 20 key encounters. Okay, that's brilliant. There is, I've got a client who's buying a new CRM, and the CIO, who's also one of the owners of the company, uh, was looking at this uh, CRM system that's customized for their industry. And this would be about, I'm guessing, a dollars $125,000 sale. The salesperson for the CRM company is a technical person. And the VP of sales that I work with was in the room too. And this guy said something to the CIO that irritated her mm-hmm. and sounded a little condescending. And she will not buy the thing now uh, because right. of that. Right. So his lack of A, training and encounters, that's brilliant. Yep. And B, wanting to be smart and tell her kind of what to do cost him a more than six-figure deal. Yeah. And this is an independent guy. Like it's, and it's very clear now that you just said that, that's what happened in this yeah. case. Yeah. So interesting. So my, uh, did you have one or I do? I've got I a couple more. It is. I got a couple more. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, the first one, we talk about this, and I'm going to add a little color to this. When we talk about detachment a lot, and I added to this, detach from all of it, all of it. So we talk about oftentimes the detachment from the sale. I'm talking about the detachment from all the things, from the sale, from how you look to how you look in front of your boss to whether or not they fire you after the call. If you and not, and this is got to be real careful with this. This doesn't mean you don't care and you don't go all in. But too often, those things uh, get in the way of what we should do in the call. So I think, um, well, my boss is with me, so I don't want to say that because I don't want to step on my boss's toes because I'm afraid to offend my boss. you got to detach from all that stuff. And if you just do what's right, you don't have to worry about anything. So it's a little heavier, like a more, right? More more detachment. I had intent, detachment, and abundance written down. I don't think it's necessary to go through all that. But I remember when I first went to work with a company right out of college called Woods Products, Woods Wire up in Carmel. Yeah, sure. And Dave Feltz was the president at that time. And on my first day, he brought me into his office. And I was, you know, college kid. I was a little nervous because he's yeah. a real powerful dude. Yeah. And he said, uh, Bill, let me tell you something about working here at Woods Wire. He said, you are never going to do anything. I don't care how big the mistake is. You're never going to do anything that's going to damage our business. Wow. And, I, and I, I don't know why I remember that, but that was that was 50, 40 years ago, 30-some years ago. And I remember that that gave me an enormous amount of freedom. Yeah. Instead of walking on eggshells all the time, he said, look, you're not going to do anything to wreck our business. We're stronger than that. So go have fun and go do right. it. Right. And That's I thought crazy. that was an example of That's great. somebody coaching me on detachment before I even knew what That's it was. That's great. Yeah. What a great thing to say to a technical sales customer-facing yeah. person. You're never going to do anything. It's going to damage or harm yeah, our business. You're right. just not. Except for the guy that was selling the yeah. automation. That guy. He's out. Yeah. <laughs> he's gone. Yeah. The place is shut down now. They went bankrupt. <laughs> but who's kind of paying attention? Yeah. In other companies, that's true, but his company is wrong. That's right. Anyway, sorry. Uh, here's another one I have. And when, when there is emotion, and I know there is, and I'm not talking about customer emotion here, I'm talking about our emotion, where yeah. we want or where we desire. The best way to get out of an emotional hang up is to have a system that gets you out of it. Mm. And so. You know, we talk a lot about the selling system that we use. In fact, we go through it in a lot of detail in the all-in program. Yeah. And the selling system is important, not just because it helps the prospect know where they are and it helps you guide them, but it's also good from an emotional standpoint because all I'm doing is managing the system. I'm not bringing my needs or desires or income needs or anything to it. I'm just 
I'm just understanding the system. I'm running the system. Now you got to have personality to it. But if you yeah. have a really strong system, that will take your emotion out of it. And your emotion, as we have said, has no place in the sales cycle. Really your good. desire for the sale or your desire for anything has no place in it. No. It's just not, it's not, it should be non-existent. No, so, so systematizing true. will help you do that. That's really, really good. Have you ever heard the phrase, we teach best what we most need to learn? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, this is one for me. This is the last one I'll say. And I think this especially helps not or helps non-sales or technical salespeople or non, non-sales-ish people, and really it helps everybody. That is the discipline to prepare. Mm-hmm. Most of us do not have a discipline to prepare. I do not have a natural discipline to prepare. It's forced, right? I think, though, if you want to really help non-sales people especially, and salespeople, none of us – uh, can not benefit, double negative intended, from preparation, from getting yeah. prepared to know who I'm going to talk to, what my intent, all these things get rehearsed and ready to go, I think is invaluable. Yeah. Rehearsing, what did you say earlier? It's really good. Uh, rehearsing the uh, encounters. Rehearsing the encounters. Rehearsing the encounters. Yeah. And, just, and if you're prepared, you will feel all this stuff will clean itself up, usually, if you're really well prepared. Yeah. And when you're prepared, you then just go in and just be who you are. Totally. You don't have to think, yes. oh, where are we in this process? Yeah, what are we going to say? And you know, the, this whole idea of having a system, preparing, yes. and then trusting. Yes. Trusting that if you've created your system in the right way, the system will carry you through. It does. You don't have to take the burden on of, well, what am I going to say? Uh-huh. What if he says this? How is she going to handle it? It's trust. You just got to trust your system. So if you don't have a system, that's another problem. And that's another that's podcast. Really, really good. I like how the the topics keep cascading from one podcast to yeah, another. Well, that's that nice? we should do it. Sounds yeah. like we should do it's it. New, so. It's my New Year's resolution. So that does it for today's episode. If you haven't downloaded a free copy of our Ultimate Pregame Audio Program, go do that right now. Just go to ultimatepregame.com to find it. Check out the products page on our website while you're there. Uh, we want to hear from you. Give us our feedback. Uh, if you've got a question, send us an audio question. Those are always fun. You can record yourself on your iPhone. Send it in to listener at advancedsellingpodcast.com. We'll play it and we'll answer it. And those of you who don't have the app, go get the app, the Advanced Selling Podcast app. Go to the iTunes App Store, and you can uh, get the app there, and that's my favorite way to listen. That's it for today. We'll see you next time for the latest episode of the Advanced Selling Podcast. Bye. Bye.